Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Today I'm in the mood to focus once again on a healthcare hazard not found so much in a hospital or doctor's office, but worse, in our everyday life, a hazard that is in the process of creating a global healthcare crisis like we have not yet seen, a hazard that currently is not on the radar of most healthcare providers, a hazard that creates symptoms that get misdiagnosed. So grab a pen and paper if you like, sit back for the entire show, and get serious with me. Because now it's time for Pat's POV, and that's my point of view. So here's my 50 cents worth. I've been traveling a lot this month and have so much to tell you. Recently, Bob and I drove to Chicago to attend the Patient Experience Conference. It was a four-day event, and I was asked to come to interview all of the sponsors, speakers, and attendees. It was quite a personal way to meet people, and out of 700 folks, I really did get to speak to most of them. So that part of the trip was quite positive. The only drawback was the city of Chicago, like all cities anymore, is heavily radiated by cell towers. I know this because I have a measuring device called an acoustometer that accurately detects the levels of radio frequencies. It's sad to see totally unaware people going about their business not knowing that their bodies are subjected to high levels of unhealthy and unnatural radiation. Well, from Chicago, we drove to Denver. Now, you would think that driving across a state such as Iowa, you would find little, if any, man-made radiation. I have to tell you that my mind was blown to find that while driving across the state on Route 80, that there was a giant, monstrous cell phone tower about every half mile. Actually, I was so aghast that I grabbed a piece of paper while driving and wrote this. The farmers are selling out a disturbing juxtaposition of peaceful, idyllic farmland, pastures, cows, amber waves of grain, marred by the evil, looming towers of death and destruction. Yes, cows grazing in fields directly under the ever-radiating cell phone towers. Perhaps the marketing spin will be, our cows are pre-cooked. I'm still wondering why we need that many cell towers in a location with perhaps, what, three people per mile? Or is it a bigger plan? Then on to Denver. In Colorado in general, my meter indicated high levels of radiation no matter where we went. 
in town, out of town. In fact, we stayed at a campground in our RV in hopes of avoiding big town radiation. Oh, that's right. Without a meter, you wouldn't know that many motels and hotels house cell towers within their signs, disguised as flagpoles, or hidden within fake boulders. Yet this state campground was no better. Sorry, the meter got a workout there. And I almost have to laugh at the hypocrisy. Colorado folks, for the most part, like to think they're big environmentalists and health conscious. People ride bikes, people are running, they eat nuts and fruits. They're big on protecting our natural resources. So it came as no surprise to find that the showers at this state campground were metered. 50 cents bought three minutes of water. Yep, we had to bring quarters to the bathroom in order to take a shower. <laughs> now, did you ever try to wash your hair in less than three minutes and in cool water? But hey, gotta protect the disappearing supply of water. And what a better way to do it than charge the vacationers and tourists. Shameful people using water to take a shower? Where do they come from? But here's where the hypocrisy comes in. The people, the parks, the powers that be are so concerned that someone might abuse a shower. Yet the entire park is under siege with health-damaging radio frequencies. Frequencies that are silently changing all living things. The innocent campers who think they're experiencing a holistic encounter with nature. The magpies, the rabbits, the trees, the bugs. I hate to say this, but lack of water will be the least of our troubles once all of this man-made, corporate-proliferated radiation catches up with us. And I feel like a loner. I've done the research. I have the foresight to see what's on the horizon. But no one else does, or if they do, they don't seem to care. It's called willful blindness. And no one in charge is looking out for us. The electromagnetic radiation standards used by the FCC continue to be based on thermal heating, a criterion now, I don't know, 30 years out of date and obviously no longer applicable today. Unless you think otherwise, the FCC is not a health agency. The FCC is a government agency wearing two hats, implementing wireless at breakneck speed while retaining control over obsolete, non-protective guidelines that should be regulated and overseen by a legitimate environmental health agency. I think it's time to examine the cozy love affair between industry and government when it no longer serves the public good and directly contributes to the public harm. Doctors and healthcare providers don't yet recognize or acknowledge the very real symptoms of people who outwardly react to this assault on our bodies. And my guest today has something further to say about all of this. So here's my 50 cents worth. And no, not for shower water. The precautionary principle is warranted here. We need to wake up people before we let an industry jeopardize our health, our children's health, and humanity. Hey Bob, got another quarter? Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Always bringing you the best of the best when it comes to our guests. And today is no exception. Let me introduce him right now. 
David O. Carpenter, MD, is a public health physician, educated at Harvard Medical School. His current title is Director of the Institute for Health and the Environment at the University of Albany and Professor of Environmental Health Sciences within the School of Public Health. David served as the Executive Secretary to the New York State Power Lines Project in the 1980s, a program of research that showed children living in homes with elevated magnetic fields coming from power lines suffered from an increased risk of developing leukemia. After this, he became the spokesperson on electromagnetic field issues and has published several reviews on the subject and has edited two books. You may recognize David Carpenter's name as he is a co-editor and a contributing author of the Bioinitiative Report, which you can find at bioinitiative.org. This report documents the negative health effects and public health conclusions about impacts of electromagnetic radiation and radio frequencies. The public health chapter from this report was subsequently published in a peer-reviewed journal. In addition, in 2009, he was invited to present to the President's Cancer Panel on the subject of power line and radio frequency fields in cancer and has testified on this issue before the United States House of Representatives. So much more, and it is an honor and a pleasure to speak with you today, so welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to dig right in. By now, most of our listeners recognize that these man-made frequencies are damaging to our health. However, the media promotes the notion that the scientific studies are inconsistent and inconclusive and that wireless everything is perfectly safe. So the question we want to start out with today is why the struggle to expose the truth? Well, I think there are multiple reasons. Uh, in the first place, most people enjoy the convenience of wireless technology. We like our electricity and we don't really want to think of there being dangers associated with them. Uh, you also have a very powerful industry that makes a lot of money by promoting new devices that use wireless technology, and they certainly don't want their product declared dangerous. The issue is that regulation is normally done at the level of the political entities that work for governments, international, federal, state, and politicians uh, depend on contributions from industry to keep their campaigns alive, and most citizens don't either contribute very much or have much influence. And so there's a disincentive for uh, what I think is really critical here, that there be political acknowledgement by agencies that have regulatory responsibility that, yes, these are, are very convenient technologies, but in excess, they pose significant health hazards. When I presented at the President's Cancer Panel, uh, there was also a representative from the National Cancer Institute that tried to contradict everything I said. Now, in fact, we really didn't contradict each other. We, we described the evidence as it is, that in the case of uh, power line fields, there is a significant body of evidence that consistently shows elevations in rates of childhood leukemia if children live in homes with high magnetic fields coming from the household electricity, that there is a consistent finding of elevated adult leukemia and less, less confident brain cancer in adults that work in occupations where they're exposed to elevated magnetic fields, and that in the case of the radio frequency fields, there's strong evidence that individuals that hold cell phones to the ear and use them intensively for long periods of time, usually 10 years or more, have an elevated risk of brain cancer. The explanations for people discounting this evidence, there are really two forms. One 
uh, is that you don't have clear evidence that exposure to electromagnetic fields causes cancer in animals. And that's true. I agree that there is no strong evidence that these fields cause cancer in animals. But what the hell? We have evidence that they do in people. And there is a variety of uh, evidence that shows that animal bodies, because of their size and the fact of four-legged, they don't respond to electromagnetic fields in the same way people do. So I dismiss that as, as being really irrelevant. Then, then the, the second reason that the National Cancer Institute and other bodies uh, minimize the significance of the observations is that we do not know exactly what the mechanism is whereby these relatively low-energy fields can cause cancer. But again, that argument doesn't hold any water. We don't know the mechanism whereby arsenic causes cancer. We don't know why dioxins cause cancer. We know a lot about the changes that occur in the human body when someone is exposed to electromagnetic fields. And, and it, it's certainly true that these are probably not directly mutagenic carcinogens, like some things like ionizing radiation is. But we accept these other chemical exposures as being known human carcinogens. And yet, because of the extraneous influences, uh, most national and international bodies do not come out strongly saying that excessive exposure to electromagnetic fields poses risk to human health. Uh, it's very reminiscent of what happened with cigarette smoking and lung cancer ages ago. Uh, in the 1930s, the bad Nazis provided absolutely definitive evidence that smoking caused lung cancer. In the U.S., nothing was done to warn people about the dangers of smoking until, what, the mid-60s. And part of the reason was that a lot of the physicians in the American Medical Association, a lot of the faculty at the National Cancer Institute, number one, they all smoked. Number two, they, many of them had money in the industry. And they didn't want to believe it. The issue on the electromagnetic fields, and I'm certainly not someone that says we have the answer to every question. We do not. But I also come at the question from a public health point of view, and that's somewhat different from some of these other people's perspectives. The United Nations at the real conference a number of years ago developed the concept of the precautionary principle. And the precautionary principle basically says when you have evidence for human harm, but it's not 100% complete, which rarely is anything 100% complete in, in medicine. You don't wait till you can count all the bodies before you take reasonable steps to reduce exposure. And I see this as being very relevant to the issue of, of Wi-Fi in schools, of use of cell phones, of smart meters, of uh, even household electricity. It's clearly, everyone is exposed. You know, if you don't have Wi-Fi in your house and you don't have a cell phone, you're still exposed to radio frequency radiation because there's a cell tower on every street corner. So we are all exposed. And when you do studies, there's no unexposed population. What we can do is to compare the health of people that are more exposed to the people that are less exposed. And when we do that, we find that the people that are more exposed have more of a variety of diseases, especially cancer. Thinking about smart meters, because there is a serious difference between an exposure which an individual chooses to accept, such as deciding to use a cell phone or Wi-Fi, and one of, that is forced on people, such as the smart meter. So again, talking about exposure, those that do recognize the precautionary principle 
we're unable to even follow that that idea because now we've got mandatory radiation coming from our smart meters on our homes. How do we take care of that? That is a very real problem. The smart meter battle is being fought all over the world right now. The issue is a very real one, that it's one thing to knowingly accept the risk. For example, almost every smoker knows that smoking is dangerous. Society usually says that it's less acceptable to be exposed to a hazard that, that you don't agree to than one that you choose to be exposed to. But at the same time, both with initiatives from our federal government and from many state governments, or at least acquiescence to the will of the communications industry, smart meters are being put on people's homes without their permission. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg, because at the same time, appliance manufacturers are putting these ZB drives in almost every appliance, your dishwasher, your refrigerator, your clothes dryer. And these are devices that are going to communicate to the smart meter when they're activated, but they will communicate to the smart meter that will allow somebody in the utility to know how much electricity your clothes dryer is using. And at some point in time, rates are going to be set so that it costs more to dry your clothes at 6 in the afternoon than it does at 3 in the morning. And that the utility will have the power to prevent you from activating your clothes dryer if there's a uh, run on electricity in danger of shortages. What's going to happen when this is fully activated is that people's kitchen, people's laundry room are going to be hotbeds of radiofrequency radiation exposure and that this is going to also be done without the permission of the individual. When you have evidence for harm, but you still want to use something that's good, then use common sense. Reduce your exposure to the degree you can without totally disrupting your lifestyle, uh, without undergoing enormous expense. And in the case of both power line and radiofrequency radiation, there's so many very straightforward and not very disruptive things you can do. If you're going to use your cell phone, and everybody values their cell phone, use a wired earpiece and don't hold the cell phone on your body. You don't have to have the cell phone far removed from your body to have almost no exposure from the radiofrequency radiation coming from the cell phone. Now, you're still going to get the radiation coming from the cell tower, from uh, Wi-Fi if it's around, from smart meters if you're near a smart meter, but you can reduce your exposure to the radiofrequency radiation. And this leads me to some discussion about Wi-Fi in schools. Every kid should have access to the Internet. It's incredibly important. And uh, it, it's important that, that kids use that tool for learning. But you don't have to have a wireless connection to have all the access to the Internet that anyone would want. A wired computer does not generate radiofrequency radiation. Now, if you have a wireless computer classroom, let's say you have 20 students in a room, you have one massive router at the top of the room, uh, each of the laptops is computing with the router, you're going to have a hotbed of radiofrequency radiation. The cancers that develop from exposure to radiofrequency radiation, for that matter, to power line radiation, have a long latency. Usually, brain cancer is known to have a latency of 20 or 30 years from exposure to things like ionizing radiation. And those children are not going to be developing brain cancer in the two or three years that they're sitting in a classroom that 
has Wi-Fi computer facilities. What's going to happen 20 years from now? We are seeing elevations in rates of brain cancer, but all this exposure hasn't been around very long. The elevations in brain cancer seen in cell phone users for adults, you only really see the elevation after about 10 years of use. Now, for children, it appears to be a shorter period of time than that. It appears that the younger brain is more vulnerable than the older brain, which is younger people are more vulnerable to a variety of toxic insults than older people are, just because their bodies are growing and developing. You know, you don't have to have a Wi-Fi classroom. You can have a wired classroom. It may not be as flexible, but in the long term, it's going to be much safer. You don't have to have a wired smart meter. You can have a smart meter, a wireless smart meter, I meant. You can have a, wire, a wired smart meter that's not that's going to communicate with the utility, but it's not going to generate excessive radio frequency radiation. My concern is all of this secondhand exposure, though. So you try to employ the precautionary pr principle and prudent avoidance in your daily life, but you go to the doctor's office, you go to the hospital, you go to the library, you go shopping. I mean, you, you, as soon as you leave your home, you are completely bombarded. I was at the doctor's office yesterday, and we're at 7 volts per meter in the waiting room. Uh, we're in the radiology department, the same thing. The lab department, my daughter just had a baby and they had the RFID chip on her. And again, you can't even go visit someone in, in a situation like that. So yeah, while the precautionary principle and, and prudent avoidance is at least a start, for me, the irritation is this mandatory exposure that we, we can't get away from. Well, you're absolutely right. Now, let's talk a little bit about electrohypersensitivity because th there are some people that are unusually sensitive to these fields, both the Pauline field and the radio frequency field. And those people, they're the canaries in the gold, uh, cold mine because those people become ill when they're in the presence of these electromagnetic fields. And some of these people are so very sensitive that they they basically can't even live in cities. We have cell towers on just about every tall building. You know, to find a place in the whole country where there isn't a cell tower, if you can use your cell phone, there's a cell tower that's radiating radio frequency radiation. There is growing evidence that the percentage of the population that have these syndromes of hypersensitivity is increasing. And I've had uh, several occasions to meet people and talk with people who had uh, a, a high exposure event that left them for many years after that very sensitive to electromagnetic fields. The symptoms are headaches, nausea, vomiting, a sense of fatigue, a sense of mental disability. They just don't feel as bright as they were. They have no energy. They have ringing in the ears. And some people have estimated that with this increasing exposure that you can't avoid, that percentage of the population is going to grow. So I, I totally agree with the concern that electromagnetic fields are so prominent in our environment that it's almost impossible to escape them completely. And we don't know what those background, even if you take all the precautions you can in your own life, we don't know the degree to which those background exposures you can't control contribute to ill health. But it is a, a, a concern. Well, David, there's so much more that I would like to share with our listeners today, but we simply are running out of time. Now, is there any place our listeners can find out more about you that you'd like to share? Well, uh, I have a website. It has a lot of EMS information on it. It's... Uh, 
www.albany.edu slash IHE for Institute for Health and the Environment. Certainly the Bioinitiative Report has continued new information. There's the 2012 report there. There's some new analyses, and that's www.bioinitiative.org. We want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, and best of luck to you. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the voice of Mrs. Green on the airwaves. Mrs. Green's world is a global movement of ideas and actions made up of people who care about their own health and the health of this planet. If you're interested in things like clean water, clean air, clean oceans, or would like to know more about just what it means to live a sustainable life, you will love to hear what our guests from all over the world have to say. Please visit our website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com, where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the Radio Archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And if you just need more of me, invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line, 440-725-5462. That is... 440-725-5462. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for Informed Choice.